Hello and welcome to this edition of the Good Samaritan HealthCast. I'm your host for this episode, Tiffany Conover, and I failed to mention our last episode about Clint Hugo, who you have become used to hearing on this podcast, that he has moved on to bigger and better things, and we wish him the best of luck on his new endeavors. But, you know, on this episode, we are happy to have Dr. Lee McKinley with us today to talk about healthy aging. Hello, Dr. McKinley. Morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Just tell us a little bit about yourself to get started. So um, I'm a um, physician uh, trained in internal medicine. I spent most of my career doing critical care medicine and office-based medicine, and I'm currently teaching the medical residents in the um, Indiana University Southwest Residency Program at Good Samaritan Hospital. Great. Um, Well, today we're going to talk about healthy aging or successful aging. And one of the things that comes to mind is just, you know, doing an overview of illness versus wellness. So let's go ahead and talk about that first. Well, I think, you know, somebody will say, are you feeling well today? You know, and for all of us, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a relative thing. Yeah, I feel pretty good, but, you know, I have medical problems. And the question is, you know, are you generally well or are you generally ill all the time? And I think, you know, most of us, for most of us, um, you know, um, we learn to live with things that we have been diagnosed with, like diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, and we just kind of deal with it the best we can. But I think, you know, a lot of the studies in the last 10 years have shown that even if you're born with a high risk for diabetes, even if both of your parents have, have diabetes, for instance, that by changing your lifestyle, you can actually change the way your genetics work. We call that epigenetics. And it's the, the effect of healthy lifestyle on um, the genetic makeup that you've been given from birth. Right. It's interesting. Um, yeah, as we you know talk about aging too, um, of course there are probably misconceptions about aging. So tell me what some of those are. Well, I'm of course I'm aging also personally, and so I think about this on a personal level. One of my biggest fears is losing my memory, losing my mind, and uh, all of us probably know somebody who's older that has lost their memory. And we worry about having the same thing. And yet, what do we do to prevent it is the, is the question. And it turns out that only about a third of people over the age of 90 have dementia. It's not everybody. And so I think, you know, age is a risk factor. But there's lots of other things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, history of stroke, using tobacco, uh, certain heart arrhythmias that can be treated and if you treat those, you lower your risk of developing dementia or memory loss. So I think, you know, we can take an active role in preventing it. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself. And that's what I try to get my patients to do is to feel like they have some control over this because they do. I feel like even at a younger age, I mean, I'm not even 40 yet. And I feel like I'm losing my memory or <laughs> losing my mind. But um seems like I can't remember what I did five minutes ago sometimes. I and I think, I, I don't know if that's like more, you know, stress. And, you know, we have this idea in our heads nowadays that we just have to multitask everything. Right. Um, so I don't know if that contributes to, right. you know, being younger and feel no, like I, it's I, happening. I think you're absolutely right. There's kind of a joke about that. So, you know, the joke is if you walk out of Kroger and you forget which row you parked your car in, which I've done, oh, that's okay. not Alzheimer's. 
if you get to your car and you can't figure out what to do with the keys, how they work, that's Alzheimer's. Okay. And so, so again, most of us just forget where we parked our car because we're in a rush and we're in a hurry. We've got a grocery list to, to do and we have kids to pick up. And mm -hmm. so we're just not recording. We're not keeping track of every little detail uh, the way we used to. And I think, you know, that's something that, again, I, I use tricks to get around that. I use my cell phone. I write lists to myself. I re remind myself about things that I don't want to forget that are very important. And I think, you know, it's not a crutch to do that. It's really helpful to do that. Okay. Good advice. Um, what about some other misconceptions? So a lot of, a lot of at least when I trained in the 1970s and 80s, uh, when a person was a certain age, maybe 65, we would say, you know, you're just too old to have heart surgery or you're too old for this or too old for that. And I think we've changed our thinking about that. That is that um, the survival rate for heart surgery, which is one of the most dangerous surgery for people over age 80, is 84%. I mean, it's, it's very safe. Um, that same surgery 20 years ago, the risk or the, the chance of having a complication uh, was much higher. Maybe 70% of patients who you know, had, a, had a complication, and only 30% of them survived. Now it's over 80% survive. So it's a dramatic change. And you know, they did a study, it's kind of interesting, uh, looking at the age of patients and how they did. And certainly the older you are, the higher risk. But some of it has to do with the age of the doctor. So there are certain surgeries that the younger the surgeon, the better the outcomes. And so, uh, you know, so much for just having wisdom. Mm. Um, but being young really does help if you're a surgeon. And so, you know, that's something we didn't know a few years ago. Um, also, you know, the other thing is, you know, some people come to see me and they think, well, I'm too old for a mammogram, I'm too old to be checked for prostate cancer, two very common things that we talk about. And certainly there has been a push in the insurance industry not to offer services for people over the age of 70 or 75. But the studies don't show that. The studies show that you continue to benefit from screening for those diseases perhaps up into your 80s and it's not for everybody but if you're if you have a family history of prostate cancer or breast cancer you know you shouldn't not you shouldn't just stop screening and looking for those problems just because of age okay and i know like you know several people that are well into their 80s or 90s we have family members that are living that long and you know saying to stop some of these screenings at 60 or 70 yeah it just seems like they have a lot of life left to live so and I think we, I should, like we should use somebody's real age and there's actually a couple of websites you can go to one is called real age website and you can type in all the risk factors and your health your healthy behaviors don't you walk how much you eat what you eat and it will tell you what your real age is not just what's on your birth certificate and I think that's what doctors should probably start using is your real age rather than just the number that you that you get and uh, a lot of the decisions that we make, you know, with patients, you know, are influenced by what your doctor thinks. And I think doctors need to keep an open mind about age. So I was going to tell you, there are some things that I routinely recommend for patients uh, to do to live longer. One of them is to change their diet. Uh, I'm a Hoosier. I was born and raised in Bloomington, and I grew up eating meat and potatoes, which is basically what we eat most meals. There's nothing wrong with that, but the studies show that if you eat more fruits and vegetables, even if you also eat meat and potatoes, if you add fruits and vegetables to your diet, 
uh, and you eat more nuts and berries and seeds and things like that, um, your risk of having a stroke or heart attack are reduced by almost 50%. And that's with no medications. That's just changing the type of diet that you have. The other thing is people my age and older need to eat more protein. And it, it doesn't have to be fatty meat. It can be lean protein. Uh, in fact, things like fish and chicken, the low-fat dairy, peanut butter, uh, turkey, even beans are very high in protein and um, don't have to be high in fat. So uh, the modern diet, most of the modern diets that you read about in the newspaper are worthless. The only one that really has shown any benefit for living longer is a Mediterranean style diet, which is very easy. It comes right out of your garden. Oh, wow. So what is, what's the benefit of the protein? So the protein, it's interesting that all the foods that we eat, of all the foods we eat, protein is the only one that when you eat the protein, it actually stimulates the growth of muscle. When you eat carbohydrates or fats, those are extra calories that you may burn or you may store them as extra fat, but they don't fix anything. Whereas if you want to maintain muscle to be strong and have endurance, you've got to eat protein. And, um, and, and so it's important that you eat it probably three times a day in small amounts. So you only need about four or five ounces of protein a day, but it does need to be spread out and it needs to be every day. Uh, the studies also show that if you eat protein and then exercise, that you uptake that protein indirectly into your muscles. And so it's a lot more efficient. And so you see bodybuilders do that a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah, they time the protein with their exercise. Mm -hmm. I've had nutrition coaches after working out tell us, you know, make sure you're getting protein within 30 minutes of working out. That's right. And most Americans over the age of 65 do not get enough protein. They eat crackers and bread and carbs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I've known some older relatives that have cereal for supper. <laughs> Tea and toast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's actually a lot of things I used to tell patients. I used to tell patients to take multivitamins, and now I do, do not do that. Uh, they're probably not dangerous for most people, but there really is no evidence that it does anything beneficial unless you're, you've had, unless you're pregnant or unless you've had bariatric surgery or unless you actually have a deficiency of some vitamin. But aside from those three examples, most of us do not need to take vitamins and should get our vitamins from our food. Uh, same thing is true of probiotics. I used to encourage probiotics. The studies show really zero benefit. And if you have uh, milk intolerance, you know most of these probiotics are mixed in some sort of yogurty kind of material. Uh, can actually make your intestinal function worse. So probiotics, again, probably a waste of money. Oh, wow. So what are some, you know, other things diet-related? Um, yeah, you've know, heard you talk about, like, alcohol and, you know, water. And yeah. So I think, you know, again, I'm not encouraging people to drink alcohol, and there were several years there where we were told that drinking wine every day made you live longer. Uh, drinking wine does reduce your risk of stroke. Uh, and heart attacks slightly, hmm. but you don't live any longer. And so there is no safe amount of alcohol that you can take. Uh, I think, you know, our society accepts alcohol use as something that's normal uh, and, in, and certainly in moderation, maybe one serving a day is safe for almost all of us. Um, but if you have liver disease or some other kind of medical problem like high blood pressure, uh, it may actually be making the problem worse. So uh, we don't recommend daily alcohol 
uh, routinely for somebody. Uh, if you are using alcohol, you should limit yourself to one or two servings a day, for sure. Um, I also tell people, you know, uh, I'm not about, I don't tell people to stop their eating calories. I tell them to change the kind of foods they're eating. So, uh, you know, we talk about eating almonds and apples and maybe blueberries and beans and spinach, and sweet potatoes, things that grow in an Indiana garden. And so it um, doesn't have to be expensive uh, to eat a healthy diet. Okay, let's talk a little bit about water intake. What, yeah. should, what should individuals be doing? Um, how much water should you be consuming on a day? So in medical school, they told me eight to 10 glasses a day. Well, nobody does that. They just, you just don't do it. And actually 70% of the water we get every day comes from our food. It's the juiciness that's in corn and apples and all those things is really mostly water. Uh, you really probably just need about three or four glasses a day of fluid outside of your diet and three or four eight ounce glasses. There are exceptions. People who have heart failure or kidney failure may be told by their doctors to drink less or more, depending on the situation. Certainly, if you have kidney stones, you should drink a lot more liquids than average people. And if you're over 65, you cannot go by, by your thirst because some people over 65 don't get thirsty and then they just don't drink enough water. Um, so any, anything really is good. Water, juice, even coffee and tea, those are things that I was told were not good for you, but actually tea and coffee are an excellent source of fluid. Okay, so whenever I have a goal to drink, a gallon of water a day, I can count my pot of coffee that I usually drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to know. Good. You haven't asked me about sex yet. Oh, well, oh, what, what, what does the aging population need to know about that? <laughs> well, I think it probably would grow somebody out your age to think about that. But, <laughs> but, you know, people over 80 do have sex. In fact, 29% of men and 25% of women are still sexually active over the age of 80, which is kind of surprising, but, but true. And it is a challenge. It may be physically a challenge if you have arthritis or a bad back or something to have uh, to have sex. Um, and there are very few reasons not to have sex. You know, there are some heart doctors who don't want people to have sex after a heart attack, for instance, or something. Uh, maybe just for a short period of time. Uh, and uh, if you have erectile dysfunction, if you're a guy, you know there are treatments for that that will help you. Um, there is a risk of infection, just like there is for anybody having sex. So if you don't know your partner very well, you need to consider wearing a condom. But I think having sexual activity is a healthy part of life. And I, I don't think you should change that just because of your age. So what are some other things that people need to learn and you know just realize as they start to age? Um, you know, according to like, let's talk about your numbers, like sure. your cholesterol and blood pressure. What do you need to be doing? How often should you get those things checked out? Right. Well, I use something called the five finger approach. So basically there's five numbers that you need to keep in the, in the front of your mind. And um, I'm also prejudiced. I think that all, all of us over 65, especially need a primary care physician or a provider, somebody who knows a little bit about us so that we don't have to see a stranger in the emergency room or see somebody that doesn't know anything about our, our history. Uh, so I do encourage everybody. But the five things you should write down are number one, zero. Zero is how much tobacco you should use every day. Uh, it's a big um, problem for early death. 
smokers die earlier than non-smokers. Uh, the second number is five, and that stands for five servings a day of some sort of whole fruit or vegetable. Now you notice I don't put juices in there, fruit juices in there, fruit juices are, and dried fruit are probably not so good for you because they're very high in sugar. Um, and then, you know, even if you eat junk food the rest of the day, if you add five servings of whole fruit or vegetables per day, it really reduces your risk of complications for diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh, the third number is 10. And that's how many minutes a day you should either take a pause and meditate or think about your life or pray if you're a prayerful person. Uh, take time out of your day to appreciate what happened that day and get a perspective on how you're doing, uh, how your family's doing. Uh, the fourth number is 30. 30 stands for the body mass index or BMI, which is really just your weight divided by your height. Again, your, 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 if you ask your doctor, what's my BMI, they'll tell you. If it's 30 or above, your risk of having complications are much higher than if it's below 30. So 30 is what we call a tipping point. Get above 30, blood sugar goes up, blood pressure goes up, cholesterol goes up. You get below 30, those things tend to go back to normal. So most of us should stay below 30. The last number is 150, and that's how many minutes a week you should do something physical and again it doesn't have to be fancy it can be uh, the hospital's program is called walk with the doc it's a great program and it's an, op it's an opportunity to walk with others um, including a doctor mm -hmm. and um, 150 minutes is really about 20 minutes a day it can be walking swimming riding a bike anything that gets your heart rate up for a few minutes and then allows you to cool back down. And that, that little bit of exercise, 20 minutes a day, lengthens your life and reduces the risk, again, of hypertension, stroke, heart attack by up to 50%. So, you know, it's not a prescription, it's not a pill you have to take, uh, but you do have to put your shoes on and go outside, do the work. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you probably will live less long. And you mentioned Walk with a Doc. That opportunity is available every Saturday morning in Vincennes at Greg Park. Uh, we do that throughout the summer and fall months when it's warmer. At 9 o'clock in the morning, we meet at the open air shelter in Greg Park. We have a doctor or provider um, start out the walk with just a five-minute topic on some health issue. and then they get to walk around the park um, just as little as, or as much as they want. We've seen all ages, you know, babies being pushed in strollers all the way up to individuals probably in their 80s, maybe even 90s. Um, so it's open to anybody that just wants to come out and walk around the park and get to know others in the community as well as our Good Samaritan providers. So great opportunity. Is there anything else that um, you want to cover? I'm just going to put a plug in at the end here for my clinic. Uh, I'm prejudiced, obviously, but it's an excellent clinic. Uh, we're training young doctors to be internists and to help people live longer, healthier lives. And so a lot of our work is preventive health. And we don't just see people who are sick that day, but we see people who want to stay well. So I think if you're interested in uh, finding out what your numbers are, and you're interested in finding out uh, how you could live a longer life, we'd be happy to see you.
Uh, the office number is 812-885-6990. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. McKinley, for joining us today and uh, sharing all this helpful information for people in our community to start thinking about as, you know, each year keeps on ticking along. So, um, again, thank you. It's always a privilege to talk to you. We will see everyone on our next podcast.